0: Bye. Yeah. Bye. Hey there all you multiplayer's and controller cats, this is Ray Tracer here with the video game history the strategy guides are too scared to tell you. Apologies for the lateness of my reply, but I just got back from a shindig at the Kong estate, and wow, those apes know how to party. Let me tell you, if you ever get an invite to their annual fundraiser, bring a pair of swimming floaties and some hand sanitizer. Oh, it was great. The whole crew made it out. Funky was out on parole for the second time. Thank goodness for the double Jeopardy rule, or else he'd be getting more than just banana smoothies in the lockup, if you know what I mean. Candy was there. God God bless her for trying. Her prime has passed, but damn if she don't know it. I mean, she has one trick, and once you take that book out, you don't get it again for a while. Ugh. Minuendo about the library, I am losing my touch. But oh, my favorite was there, Cranky Kong. Probably the funniest angry old man you'll ever meet. Once he gets going, you just have to point at someone, and he just starts roasting you like a split pig. I mean, friends, family, complete strangers, he doesn't care. He's probably got a zinger just waiting for you. But if there's one person he doesn't give anything to, and I mean he goes cold as ice whenever anyone brings him up, see, Cranky Kong hates Mario with just a burning, flaming passion. It is a tire fire of pure animosity. And this goes way back even when him and Mario were just starting out. Now remember, Cranky was the original Donkey Kong. And back in the day, if you want to talk about dashing, handsome apes, you could get no better than Donkey Kong. So, they make the arcade game Donkey Kong. Everything goes off without a hitch, everyone's making money. And it's not that Kong thought he was a bigger star than Mario. He knew his role. The bad guys don't quite get the same recognition as the hero, but he understood what he had to do so they were co-workers they got along had great chemistry by the way i mean pauline even did a great job that whole crew put together something special in that game flash forward a couple of years nintendo is getting ready for the nintendo entertainment system and since he did such a great job at Donkey kong they wanted to give mario a big time shot as the hero so, they bring him into HQ, they tell him the news. He's ecstatic, over the moon about the news, and jumps onto this chance, like, toad-giving exposition, just immediately. So, they start going over the plans for Super Mario Brothers. But what a lot of people don't know, is that Donkey Kong was gonna be the big baddie of the game, just like the arcade game. But, in the meeting... Mario was not keen on this idea. You know, words were said, something along the lines of Mario going, hey, I already beat this guy in Donkey Kong, so the suits were taken aback. Like They didn't really have anyone else for that role. But then Mario says, I know a guy. Brings in King Koopa, Bowser. And, and Nintendo loved it. Here, you have a scarier bad guy who can breathe fire all by himself. So that cut the props budget in half. Cause if it was gonna be Donkey Kong, they were gonna have to spend a fortune on barrels for him. So they signed King Koopa in a heartbeat and basically get production ready to go for Super Mario Brothers. Except no one told Donkey Kong about this news. No one told him about Koopa, about a new game, nothing. But as the old saying goes, loose lips sink ships. Luigi was having some performance anxiety about getting a chance as player two in the new game. So he was uh, taking the edge off at the broken button bar where DK was known as a regular. Luigi starts talking about the new game, DK hears it. He's thinking, oh, they forgot to tell me about it. So he goes to the studio the next day And let me tell you, I haven't seen a monkey so angry on set since someone got Dr. Zaius' coffee order wrong. I mean, Donkey Kong is looking around, he's seeing all the stages, all the new faces of bad guys, everything. And the jealousy just shot up to maximum envy. You know, all Donkey Kong had was, you know, some steel beams and maybe some pies in that one level. And they were working on the castle levels that day. And that was just the tipping point. Donkey Kong storms the set. Sees Mario. Sees Koopa for the first time. Realizes he got passed over. All this is just setting in at the same time. Cranky says he doesn't remember what happened after that. But the police report about it sure doesn't forget... Have you ever tried to calm down a giant angry monkey, but there's fire and lava pits everywhere? Once word got out about the Donkey Kong incident, Cranky basically cashed his one way ticket out of the game industry. All of the parts dried up. Years go by, no phone calls, no nothing. And he'd lost all that muscle mass as a monkey. Thank goodness Donkey Kong the Third came around. He just felt bad about what happened looking at this former hero of his. So he gives them this bit part in Donkey Kong Country. Cranky knocks it out of the park. So now Cranky can still have that little bit of success to hang on to. Which he deserves, but you know it should have been more. I mean, you haven't seen any other monkey families come around in the game business, have you? I mean, Ape Escape tried, but you get my point. But I always keep that story in the back of my mind, in case I see a young star getting mad about getting passed over. Like, I always tell the kids, Envy may be green, but so is money. Which one do you want more of? (coughs) You know, when people find out I'm in the game industry, there's usually... A lot of well-earned praise. Hey, Ray, you've worked with Mario with Crash Bandicoot. That's a hell of a life, right? trust me, for every AAA hit I've worked on, there's losing about three months of my life working on some trashware no one cares about. On those kind of sets, you can smell two things. Desperation, and about 200,000 t-shirts they didn't sell quick enough. And hey... I'm gonna be honest with you, most of it was me and my attitude. For example, I never understood those early fighting games. I always thought those just kind of tended to be boring. I was there while they were making Kung Fu on the NES. The star comes up to me, asked what I thought, and I said, who knew violence could be so boring? I think I would rather do about another 5 Crazy Taxi clones than ever do another 8-bit fighter, at least until the 16-bit era. Then things started to get interesting. Great story. So I'm on the set for Street Fighter 2. They always like a few untrained eyes to look at the action, because if a small audience will buy the fights, so will a large audience. I remember there was this weird vibe in the air early on. I mean, not only do you have a bunch of meathead fighters duking it out, which really doesn't help with workplace attitude, but there really wasn't that much excitement either. I mean, I swear to you, about the third fight in, I saw a background onlooker yawn. Something just wasn't clicking. But then, that fight between Sagat and Ryu, whoa. Let me tell you, Ryu may have been the star of the first Street Fighter, but Sagat was coming for that spot. The round starts, and Sagat ain't getting paid by the hour. He's destroying the star. Ryu's not going to admit it, but that's what happened. And it's not like anyone can stop the fight. There was that rule set we had to uphold. One versus one, or else it becomes a beat-em-up, and they just did not have enough backgrounds to do that. So Sagat is going in for the kill shot. All of a sudden, Ryu gets pissed off. You see this glow from his hands. He yells whatever he yells. Halogen, Hulk Hogan, something like that. This huge goddamn fireball comes right out, nails Sagat in the chest, everyone's freaking out, the fight's over, Sagat is practically still smoking on the ground, and the crowd is going crazy. Not only did the underdog come out on top, but a supernatural fireball was the most interesting thing to happen the entire time. Now, I don't know what gypsy curse we stumbled into, we pissed off a voodoo priestess or what, but all this weird shit starts happening right after that fireball. Ken somehow is able to start throwing fireballs, Chung li is spinning in the air that breaks gravity, Blanca is doing that weird electric shit, Dawson is throwing his arms clear across the set, just... Pure Ghostbuster stuff, honestly. But what it did was, it brought the excitement level super high, because no one had ever seen this kind of stuff in fighting. I mean, punches and kicks count for something. But that little niche attack everyone had really brought a new life into that project. Hey, okay, maybe not Balrog. I think he had the wrong paperwork, was looking for the punch-out set or something. Oof, that guy. Like talking to Frankenstein's monster. Punching good, fire bad. Hey everyone, it's Ouch. Listen, it's tough out there for us content creators anymore. You just trying to put up your own video reviewing your stupid games, all of a sudden copyright strike? Like you know what's going on with any of this. This is why I implore you, check out the Bass Rebels. They provide great, free, copyright-free music you can use in your videos, live streams, or what I do, your podcasts. They do a lot of dance music, a lot of chill vibe music. They do some heavy bass stuff, but it's really good. Check out the link in the description of this episode or go to BassRebels.co.uk for more info. You know, I always look over the time I've spent in my career in this crazy business, and I'll say this, I can really feel it some days. You know, I try to take care of my body, you know, I get the power pad out, maybe the old Dance Dance Revolution mat, although that damn left arrow doesn't work, I really gotta get that fixed or something. But I admit it, I'm getting old. It's rare to hear that, but I'll say it loud and proud on that. Trust me, it's better than the people who hold to those looks way longer than they should. You know who's really bad about that? Mega Man. I mean, a little work done here and there, I get. People will usually let that stuff slide. But to make an entire game solely about getting upgrades, that's diving into the deep end of crazy. I mean, I get where it comes from. Mega was a workhorse on the NES. What did he do, what, five, six games on that? Something like that. Solid as stone, dependable, great set work by the crew, there are new robots every game, just a force to be reckoned with. Unless you talk to Capcom. They made good money off of him, but they were looking at that jump into this 16-bit era, and that did not include Mega Man. They were pretty much ready to put him into retirement and the SNES star was going to be Zero. The entirety of Mega Man X was going to be called Zero Hunter or, you know, something along those lines. Plans get changed. You know the deal. So Mega already feels like shit, right? Being put out to pasture based on looks alone. Who's going to say they never felt that way, right? We've all been there. So Mega Man goes to the best upgrade guy in the business. He gets to work on Mega and oh my goodness, it was like Picasso was working in pixel art. Just the fact that that doctor could give him an actual walk cycle that was more than two frames was a miracle in itself. So Mega was gonna do one of those weird, look at what you could have had kind of deals. He storms into Capcom, all the higher-ups love the new look. Like, they shove Zero to the side so hard you thought he was gonna slide off the bar and immediately switch the game to Mega Man X. But the thing was, X, you had to call him that now. Mega Man just wouldn't gonna cut it anymore. X had the bug. He just kept getting more and more work done. I mean, he would walk in after a weekend and have giant new boots, or a new chest, or a new head, whatever. It literally got so bad, they had to make it part of the game. They did not have a choice in the matter. All of those little upgrade pods, they would end on a Friday in those pods. Because if Mega came back on Monday with new fingernails, they could throw a new line wherever they need and then just keep on shooting. But I will never forget, oh, he's gonna kill me for this story, but I will never forget that lunch. It's me, X, Zero, and Proto Man. Talking about the good old days, you know how those lunch-ups are good. Proto Man gets a call, he excuses himself, he's gone for a couple minutes, He he comes back, the call was from Microsoft, he signed on to do an Xbox Arcade title. And then Zero asks what game. Proto Man says it's going to be Mega Man 9. And X's face drops like he saw a ghost. Apparently, Proto said they got a kid who looks exactly like Mega Man did before he was young and was X. And then, in a heartbeat, X throws 20 bucks on the table, rushes off. Just yells, I STILL FIT IN THE SUIT! Oh oh, god. Oh, Funniest line I've heard a robot say since GLaDOS got pissed off. Well, that's about all the dirt I can dish for this time around. But trust me, there's always a story beyond what you see in play. Do you want to know a scoop on your favorite video game character? Drop a line at Just Ouch. Capital J U S T Capital A E W C H on Twitter and Instagram. Or leave a voice message here at anchor.fm slash ouch. This is Ray Tracer signing off. And remember, folks, just because that turkey is free doesn't mean you should trust the trash can. Ah! ah goodbye, everyone.